Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy Hill Church. My name is Lawson Harlow, and with me today I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. So, Don, what are we doing today? So today, what are we doing today? Today we will discuss the title of today's episode is, I don't know, I have, a, I have like a run. Preposterous. Imposter. Imposing. Okay. What shall we do? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. We can make a title out of that somehow. Uh, Charles will figure it out. So I went to Texas. Yes. This podcast is about to get real serious. Oh, no. I'm serious. <laughs> Are you ready? I don't know. Do you want me to give you the, you want me to give the, the ethos of the episode? Mm. That's kind of a part of our liturgy to give the ethos. So this the ethos of this episode <clears throat> is um, it has been brewing. And I think it's been brewing in the fact that this is something constantly we see in social media. Okay. And I think like when you constantly see the, um, not only the LGBTQ IA plus ideology in social media, but specifically a transgender movement, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, like it seems like it's in a distant, far off land when it's on social media. You're speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, well, I, I, I here's my, here's my, here's my statement. I don't believe that the majority of everyday folk have experienced and James White have experienced this in close quarters and James White tweeted this this week maybe last week at some point and says I think the whole crowd of it shouldn't matter if same-sex marriage is Mm. legal or not or wondering right that whole crowd that says that like it shouldn't be a big deal is now all of a sudden in shock about where did all of the where did this transgender movement? I can come tell from? you where I was when the Obergefell decision okay. dropped. I was, I like, I distinctly remember because I was listening. It had dropped, and I had, and I was listening to the dividing line, which was James White's program. Right, and I'm putting on my shoes to go to the gym, and Beth walks in the door, and she's like, she could tell that I was like genuinely dismayed, and um, she says like, "What is going on?" And I said, well, the, the, the court just ruled on this. And, it, and even though it is not actually making a law, it's essentially at this point, it's court law or what's it not uh, uh, precedent. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said, the damage that this is going to do to our society is mm-hmm. absolutely horrendous. And, and we don't know how bad it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, at this very moment, I would have never guessed it got as bad as it did. Like as be, quickly as quickly. Yeah, I think that's super fair. Like I was dismayed at the Obergefell decision. I think it was obviously I disagree with the decision. My my whole premise is a higher court has already ruled, uh, meaning that God's already spoken concerning marriage. But I would have never guessed it got as bad as it actually did. But I remember how dismayed I was when that decision came down. Mm-hmm. So I'm at. I sent y'all a picture of being at San Antonio by a pool because I wanted you. I wanted you. I don't remember seeing this. Where'd you send it? He, he sent it like in our group chat. Yeah. He was just saying, like, I'm sitting by the pool. I'm sitting by the pool. I couldn't even type it. I couldn't even type what happens. Oh. So I said, I'll tell you later. Yeah. And then I sent the picture of the pool. This is the pool I'm at. Okay. It's just an everyday hotel pool. Sure. Okay. San Antonio, in my opinion, is not a wild pool. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's got wildish places like the Riverwalk or, like, right. you know, Memphis has Bill Street, Nashville has whatever that. Broadway. Yeah, Broadway. Yeah, you can see some messed up things there, but yeah, that's the pool. That's the everyday pool. Blake just showed Lawson the picture. It's an everyday pool. Yeah. So there's a group of people um, there at the pool, and there's families there. Yeah. But there's a group of people that seems to be they were celebrating. They were there together for some reason, probably let's say 20 people. And um, one person, Julie and I, both unspokenly, later we identified this. We were both thinking the same thing, that... Yeah, something's off there. Like, I don't think that that's, um, I don't think that's a, that's a man. And so um, they were, it seemed like they were traveling out and they were flying out that day and they might have checked out of the hotel and they didn't have bathing suits because they had all gone and bought bathing suits and they were like changing, coming to the pool. So it might have been like their last day together before they were all flying out. Later in hindsight, like I speculated, was there, was there two people 
that quote unquote got married in there because it seemed mm-hmm. to be like an LGBTQ type community together. That's set the table. And um, this particular individual takes their shirt off with mm-hmm. swim trunks and. Uh, this individual had mutilated oh their my body. Gosh, bro. Had mutilated their body. And so at that point, like I'm I am in absolute shock. I, I like yeah. I, I, I had I never in my wildest imagination, like knowing everything that we see, knowing you know, no knowing it's an apparent reality that this can take place. I just yeah. never in my wild like thought I thought you'd ever see it with your own eyes. Yes. Yeah. And the fact <laughs> that that person was imposing their worldview on me yeah and essentially asking me with no viable recourse to participate mm-hmm. that like that's where we're at but i think you go even further and you say not you the children around the pool mm-hmm. i imagine there would have there been. were there were children in the pool with floaties god forbid so i just sat there like i sat there in absolute shock and it wasn't long, like, you know, it was just a brief, probably, you know, not long. And then, you know, the, then you know, there was a T-shirt put back on, you know, yeah. and, like sitting by the side of the pool. And I was just like, I was left, like, absolutely just, I don't know, at a loss. Like, what it, like, you know, I had, I had a, a lot of questions, like, did, did you handle that appropriately? What, what would it be? I mean, I felt like I was in shock. I felt like I was not prepared for it. That's definitely not what I signed up for on a leisurely <laughs> Sunday afternoon by the pool, you know? Yeah. And so it just leaves you kind of your head spinning with, you know, the responsibility, like your responsibility towards the culture to be salt and light, you know, mm-hmm. and what that, like what that constitutes. And then, you know, it got me thinking around, you know, the church is not called out of the world. No. It's not, right? And so, like, um, this actually came up in Sunday morning small group. And there's a particular individual that broached this topic, you know, and our conversation moved towards kind of just the the deterioration of the culture and like what we said, how rapidly Mm -hmm. it seems to be happening. And one individual raised just a a sense of, you know, here's what I think we can maybe take heart in is that um, it's an opportunity, you know, and this opportunity is to um, be a people that we can. Um, we can definitely say that revival is still quote unquote possible, you know, yeah. like, and that, and that, you know, uh, this individual was super encouraged that there still wanted to be open communication with people. Um, you know, it came out in small group that this individual had, um, somebody in their family that was mm-hmm. dealing with struggling with, um, that particular, um, you know, sin of, tra- of transgender, you know, and, and gender fluidity, and he wanted to be able to, you know, speak truth and have like open communication, you know. And so I was thinking, like, you know, that's that that's a Christian, right? Dealing with this not at the edge of a pool with a stranger. That's definitely in home, like in yeah. across the table, you know, mm-hmm. across the same roof, uh, under the same roof. And then it's like, you know, you move forward. It's like, you know, we're we are the majority of let's say church members i would say are employed in the secular world yeah and when you think about you know when you think about what happened with um the covenant school shooting yeah right you think about you think about like some of these big corporations where they're so loud about other things right but mm-hmm. silent in this regard yeah you know silent in you know hey we're aligning our corporate values and the things that we will promote and care about with this particular movement. And yeah. when you take a conservative Christian stance, and it's like the, these things, quote-unquote, are considered hate speech, you know, they're, they're language of bigots, and so we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to say corporate America is not going to be sympathetic to the plight or uh, the persecution, right, mm, the discrimination, yeah. um, towards that individual, quote-unquote, people group being, you know, Christian. Yeah. It just seems to me that, like, where we're living in, a, in the current modern culture is that, number one, uh, it's, it feels like, it seems like we're a minority. It seems like that we are, I mean, the fact is we're not called out of the world. Like, we have to live in the world. And I think that for the, for the everyday Christian, like, 
Yeah, I mean, that might be an extreme example about being able to face that at the pool. And I don't think it's uncommon to say that you might deal with that inside extended family. I wouldn't I wouldn't even say might. I'd say give it a minute. Yeah. Like I think and it's, then I, I think, think it's you will. And I think you're dealing with it in your job where your job has in, in a sense silenced you. Hmm. To say these things cannot be talked about corporately. I mean, I know like lot I mean lots of corporations will match your charitable giving to certain institutions that you want to give to. Hmm. But a lot of times they have the fine print to say if you're giving to a Christian conservative that 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 proselytizes, yeah, that your monies cannot be matched by a corporate donation dollars hmm. for dollar for dollar giving unless the church can prove that it's using those funds towards uh, humanitarian need, like disasters and food. But if it's just for you know, just general offerings yeah. to quote unquote the church. If it's used for proselytizing, then they won't match it. Well, the the thing is, like the LGBTQ community is is a is a movement of proselytites, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so, to me, it's like the co- corporate America, which I mean, in general, I know there's Christians that work in it, and I think the question is, like, you know, when these things you know hit our plate around. Be, being ready to give an answer for the hope, right? Yeah. Like, I think what I continue to hear and what was building up in this podcast is it's so loud in the culture. And I think the, I think the cry, I think the concern of the Christian, at least for me, is to be ready. Yes. And what does that look like? You know, saying like, that's the question, like, what does that look like? Like, I, I don't feel like it's my place inside the secular workforce to, um, stand on the quote unquote proverbial corner, like with like with a the end is near type sign, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. that that's my position, you know. Yeah, no. But I always feel like I've blown an opportunity when it's when it's when it's one on one. You know what I'm saying? Like when yeah. it's an opportunity to engage one on one, you built a relationship, right. and you can speak truth into their life, yeah. and so like. If if I'm not going to be faithful in those little things, yeah. like I don't think that I'm setting myself up for that these aren't a one to one guaranteed. Right. But if I'm on the big stage, right, accepting an award or something corporately and yeah. they're handing me, Hey, we want you to wear this pin before you go up there, right? Like Yeah, and it's like it's like, no, I'm not no, gonna, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing that. And so I guess the the question I have is across all of these omni opportunities. Yeah. Like I don't know, bro. Like, I don't know what the right. Uh, sometimes I'm just like, a, I mean, I was definitely at a loss at the pool. I think there's definitely like we can say no. Mm-hmm. Julie and I were talking about this the other day. I was like, I mean, no is a no is an honest response. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know that it's sufficient. You know what I'm saying? Because you to give an answer, like to give an answer, like. What would that answer yeah. be? Like, I saw the hockey player. I hate to belabor the point. I'm just building this. No, thing and the out. hockey player was very masterful. articulate. Yeah, masterful. I, I don't know that my. His jersey sold out. Yeah, so here's the thing it's like when I walk away from the pool, this is where my mind shifted. Pray for your enemies. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Because I think that ends up placing a bit of right think, not a mm-hmm. bit, it, it places right thinking in my mind. Yeah. And I don't know that the church ultimately is expectant and ready for a refugee fallout of this movement. It's going to be a I'm refugee at. fallout. That's I'm actually I'm really at. glad that that came up. So I love, I really, Russell Moore, you know, he's <clears throat> off, off in another world now. But I love when Russell Moore says things that I think are true because mm-hmm. he does say them every yes. once in a while. And in, in seminary, when he was my professor. Uh, he said the church needs to be prepared. The church has to live today like it, like it's ready to be, to, to take in the refugees of the sexual revolution. And I think part of living like that today is being willing, I guess, to see the humanity mm. of those who have marred the image of God in, in them. and pray for them like what you're saying and be willing to accept them back if that makes sense in repentance yeah and i would go on and say like like the more i've pondered this it's like if we believe that she would be a new creation right Mm -hmm. 
she would then be called into upholding her image, mm-hmm. right? The image that God gave her to be woman. Mm-hmm. And there would be, with all her scars and everything, mm-hmm. right? Her call on her life would be either two things. It's only two roles. Yeah. It's either singleness yep. or, or someone, and, and this is where we have to say, if she's born again, Christ loves her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lesser thing for a man to love her. Yep. And it, bring her into. It, but it would also like the the understanding would have to be that it would be wife. It would almost certainly not be mother. Hmm. The only means of mother at that point would be via adoption, because yeah. part of part of that mutilation destroys right. the ability to reproduce. <clears throat> um. Yeah, yes, no, sin has consequences. Sin, sin has consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there are sins that lead to death. Like mm-hmm. I think to say it's it's very easy to say there are sins that lead to all type of destruction of the human mm-hmm. body that might not particularly end in death. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think back to your original question. I think it'd be helpful if we're cool with this of saying like, what's the wrong response to that? To this kind of growing thing that we see, and then what's the right response? Is that fair? Because I think one response is when with you saying like we are uh, in the minority. One response that I think is ungodly is to ref- refuse to believe that God has not called us out of the world and basically huddle in a corner mm-hmm. and refuse to have an answer for the world around us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, retreating has never been a Christian option, right? Like. We could all create some kind of compound and well, that was that book. Who wrote the book? Benedict Benedict Option, yeah. yeah. And like, and I read the book, and he had some good points. But like, we could do that. But I don't think that that's the the image of of what Christ has for His people in the, in this age is to I just agree. kind of hide in the corner and just wait for His return. Yeah, I, mean, well, I think he Paul in First Thessalonians. I mean, completely obliterates that thought like go to work mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like quit sitting around waiting yeah and my my amillennialism is too optimistic for that type of view right yeah. like there is a very real sense where great commission is conquest and that being the case like there is no retreating from the world it's a it's a forward pushing motion mm-hmm. now that obviously doesn't t- to play off of this right like the the first thing is we don't retreat in the sense of like the like the first corinthian sense of well, you know, if they're sexually immoral, then then don't don't even eat with such a one. And he mm-hmm. makes a very important uh, caveat there. He says, "Not I'm not talking of those in the world. I'm saying those who call themselves brethren." Mm-hmm. Now, which I think is is to eat with someone who is like to say that you ought to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, eat yeah. with someone who is sexually immoral for yes. the purpose of the gospel is, I would say, countercultural to what we hear today. Yeah. So I had a I had a guy reach out to me professionally who I know is in a active same-sex relationship and said, hey, this particular company is looking for somebody. It's a company that the individual works for. Would you, would you be interested? I, I recommended you. And I was like, you know, if you're total, right, if you're totally I'm out of the world, it's like, no, no I won't touch anything that you've touched. And that's just yeah. not true. Like yeah. I engage yeah. back. And, you know, it's like to me, like I still don't feel in that interaction like that's that's the moment to right, but right. it's like I think I've lived long enough that there's there's moments where you have an opportunity to mm-hmm. either act or speak yeah. in word and deed. Yeah. And again, to your point, Blake, like what does that look like? And I don't think it means that I've alienated everybody myself from all of those, pe- you know, those people that I wouldn't even take a job lead or interact on social yeah. media, a professional social media pa- platform with someone who would recommend, like, I appreciated that. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, I have no idea what the Lord may be doing in this interaction, but yeah. I'm certainly not going to shut it down. Yeah, and I think, but I think that the ditches are on both sides as always, right? Like, there's a there's a sense in which you can hide in the corner, and then there's a sense in which you can, like, go on a witch hunt mm-hmm. and, like, create enemies that don't necessarily exist. Does that make sense? Like ruin yeah. your ability to speak truth, mm. to give a defense for the hope that's within you. And I think too, like thinking about like what to do and what not to do is also living a life that has, I don't know, that just 
understands that in the end, like there will be people who enter into your fellowship as born again believers who will look at how you interacted with those people who were in sin. Mm-hmm. Right. And my first my first thing in San Antonio was like, I don't I've almost thought about that in a way of grieving. Of seeing that? Yes. Yeah, like there's like grief to that, right? Like there's telling people grief. like I, I wanna I wanna grieve that for that yep. stranger. You know yep. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. not like the furthest thing from if that my doesn't mind promote is sorrow. Mockery. If that doesn't promote sorrow to see something like that. To, and I think like this, this to me is like on the level of like, it makes me think of Lazarus um, and Jesus weeping, mm-hmm. right? I argue that L- Jesus is weeping at Lazarus tomb is looking at the effects of living in a fallen world is that mm-hmm. your beloved ones die. Yeah. Yeah. When you see that, like that strikes so hard. Mm. And and the reason it does is because it shouts broken, mm. like it mm. just it just screams loudly that that individual hates themselves. Um, and the community around that individual was willing to uphold that yeah, facade. Yeah, exactly. And and they do it all in the name of love, right? With a total with a total misunderstanding of love, not even a, a misunderstanding, a, a complete perversion mm-hmm. of it. And so there's an assault like this, this lady that you're talking about who destroyed her body, like that's, that's a demonstration of her hatred of herself Mm -hmm. and far past that, right? The destruction of self. When I started Romans, one of the first uh, couple of um, sermons I preached was that um, there was a quote that I said that idolatry is the long war against God that ends in the destruction of self. And so, like, as you, as you express idolatry, as you exchange the truth of God for a lie, it shouldn't be a surprise that you destroy yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, like, we're seeing that in ways today. Um, like, you know, I, 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 in my, some of my conversations recently, like, Romans 1 had a technological cap. Like, the downward spiral of Romans 1 hits the ground because... They don't have the technological ability to maim themselves and mm-hmm. to pretend as if you can transition into another uh, into an in, into another gender, mm-hmm. right? And so we, however, hit the bottom and said, "I'm betting I can dig a hole." And so, like, we've just gone further and further and further down, and the level of destruction that's being caused in our in our long war against God. It is just multiplied mm-hmm. in ways that I would have, I mean, I could have never, like even the language that we use today, you couldn't have paid me to believe that 10 years ago, like 10 years ago, if you told me this is where we were going to be, I'd call you a liar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it really is an absolute tragedy in regard to, to how you, I think grief is appropriate. I, I don't even know if grief is appropriate. I think that it's borderline commanded, that you yeah. look at the, the, the sorrow, you look at the damage that's been done, and I think that in, one of the most appropriate um, responses would be pity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think that like, if your first response is scoffing, like maybe take a step back and check your heart. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because I think scoffing is a lot of what we see mm-hmm. yeah. online, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and like, yes, it is ridiculous. It is on that level, right, of being a, a ridiculous reality. But the first thought is sorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I, do, I do think that they would see your good works and glorify yeah. your Father on yeah. the day of visitation. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Yeah, And I'm it's like you. that work... I don't think but is there including does, mockery. But there, no, but there does need to be preparation. And unfortunately, in some of these situations, I think that part of the preparation is understanding the foolishness of it, right? Which which yeah. is going to appear as mockery. But like, if like, like the issue is when you look at a woman who says she's a man and you say, I'm using she, her, because that's what you are, that's mockery and hate speech by the current standard. And I'm sorry. There's not a world in which where I believe the Christian is permitted to go with them in there. Like, we, we've dealt with this actually for, for decades and centuries. 
on how we can acclimate ourselves in particular cultures. Like, for instance, there's a way in which if you're, say, you're in a, a primarily uh, Islamic country, that you can go and you can act in certain ways to blend in. Where most people drew the line is going to mosque and actually participating in the prayers. But there were a number of men who would say, oh, no, it's perfectly fine. I'll go to mosque. I'll perform all the actions, but I'll pray to the God of the scriptures as opposed to, the, as opposed to Allah. And I think that we can fool ourselves into believing that we're being faithful by, by diving into their ungodly suppression of truth, and I think that's prohibited to the Christian. Prohibited. And I don't care. Sorry, let me say this, because I'm saying this from the perspective of one who obviously draws his full-time paycheck from a people that if they heard me say, I mean, sincerely, if this congregation heard me give on this, they would rightfully call me to repentance or more likely fire me. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. That being said, I don't think the stakes change when you enter the secular workforce, and that means that if you don't do it, you will be fired. Like, I don't think the stakes change. We've always been a people who understand that there's, there's, there's cost, and we've just diluted the waters to such a degree where we say, oh, well, if there's cost, it means we don't have to do it. Yeah, I just I want to draw like that. I guess word mockery is like I'm, I'm attaching it to, and I'm like, I think this is where you were at, is like that your first response is to snicker. Or to laugh. I don't even know how one could get there. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's no. And, I get. I, I agree with you, but it seems to be oh, that's no, the I case. I understand that it's, it's there. Like the it's response is normally memeable. It's like yeah. I like. I think you'll regret those things. That's where I'm yeah. at. Yeah, I agree. When you have a poolside experience, because yeah. you'll be like, I wasn't taking it serious. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that's like you're just not being serious. You're not being serious about the issue, yeah. both individually. And, and corporately, like what's yeah. gr- like what's growing, and I just don't think like snickering and laughing and memeing no. or whatever is is helpful. Like I think that if anything, it's to give an answer and to demonstrate your good work. And what mm-hmm. is that good work? It's 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 to grieve that, and I think it's also to you know in inside the corporate arena. I think I think you're able to, I think you're able to take a stand. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I and I think there's also an opportunity to build inroads. Where there's where there's an opportunity to give an answer, I guess yeah, is where and I'm I at. think yeah, that doesn't mean right. <laughs> like when I'm saying that, it doesn't mean that your first response is ha 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 no, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's I think you can say no, and you can do so from the source, from the fountain that is love, mm-hmm. and saying I I can't go with you here, mm-hmm. um, and here's why. I think mm-hmm. you can explain those things and be mm-hmm. clear about them. I think that. Often, the response is not going to be pleasant. But that being the case, it doesn't mean that we get to defy our king. And so there's interesting things, though. Like there's things in which people will do for marketing, and then there's things that people aren't willing to do on, their, on its face. And right. what's interesting is I have an individual um, that I know of who was going to put those um, pronouns at the end of an email. Right. And a superior said, I just don't think in this area of the country that's going to be readily accepted. I think that's actually going to hurt you winning business. Uh, Yeah. This had nothing religious involved at all. Yeah, this was just, you should know where you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And know your audience. Yes, makes perfect sense. Yes, Blake? I was just thinking about that text in in 1 Peter about, uh, that we always quote the part about uh, being prepared to give a defense, but like the full context says, even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, yeah. you'll be blessed, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I was thinking like, this is really a framework for that person going into the world of like, so first of all, don't be afraid. Can I tell you something? Yeah. The individual I've been like workshopping this with mm-hmm. sent me this entire passage. Really? And said, after Sunday, after we talk, I woke up Monday morning my wife and I were looking at the scriptures. This is what we came across. Seems to be, I'm not quote. I'm paraphrasing him. Seems to be the framework of, of a living yep. mm-hmm. command about how you work mm-hmm. through this. Yep. So anyway, this is interesting. F- finish reading it because. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, yep. always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, 
those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And I think there's so much in there, but Mm -hmm. I think thinking about um, when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Like, to Lawson's point, there is power and clarity. Yeah. And if people are going to hate you, let them hate you, not for the way that your message is delivered, but for the truth of it, mm-hmm. the clarity of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to hate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't give them extra reasons to hate you by just like looking for a crusade, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. I said that, and I could be wrong about this and get y'all's take on it. I, and I used a really strong word. It was like, well, you could just say no. And it's like, I get that. I think that's, I think that's, an, oper- I think that's an option, right? But I think that's unfaithful on its face. I like, think it's refusing to give an answer. That's where I'm at. Yeah, it's, 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 you can say no, but no should be followed. You've been given a prime opportunity. So going back to um, like kicking down the door, like I'm, I'm wearing the sign, right? Turner burn that guy. Mm-hmm. Over and against the guy who hears the opportunity and says, I will not shrink back. Right, because the the banner I think that I have to function under in this is where where Paul says we have not shrunk back mm-hmm. from 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 calling people to repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I think in that you have an opportunity to demonstrate right no, because I've set aside Christ as Lord, mm-hmm. and since I've set aside Christ as Lord, I'm prepared to give you an answer, and I'm going to do it under. Um, under his command, and frankly, under his mode, right, with gentleness and respect. Like, there is a mimicking of the Savior in this. Now, I do think, I do think that there is a difference in engagement when I'm dealing with the atheist who says, um, uh, I'm, I'm transgender, and the one who professes to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. That one, that one's a different animal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah. I, but the issue is, I don't think those are super rare. Like they, I think that they are far less rare than than we would like to believe they are. Mm. Um, it, what? Nothing. I mean, not, there's lots of ways we could go on that. Like, I think that's a, a problem in the making for a very long time with the watering down of absolutely theology and ecclesiology. Absolutely. And, um, specifically, what? Like, I just think that like there's a, a plethora of things that people could say they are and also a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. That finds its root in in a long ago denial of of just very basic things about the Bible mm-hmm. and about God. Yeah. So you asked a bunch of questions. I did. I put them all on a platter. Said y'all deal with them. Okay. So I think one of the primary things that we need to be prepared to do as we engage um, this conversation is we need to have not only a theology of the image of God, that is necessary. We Mm -hmm. need to have a theology of the image of God. We need to understand that when we're looking across the table at someone, we are looking at an image bearer. Mm -hmm. That's crucial. It demands that we we give them dignity, honor, and respect. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that we can see truth, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that there's some that would... Say, well, you can't dignify, honor, and respect me if you're not willing to to say this is who I am. And I'm like, no, I'm actually degrading you when I lie about who you are. Um, so we so we affirm we need to understand that we're thinking about us in the image of God. We also need to understand that our theology of men and women, and I'm and I'm and I'm not even I'm not speaking of complementarianism. I'm speaking of the actual beauty of masculinity and manhood and femininity and womanhood. Like, we need to understand that... I'm trying to think of how much... Yeah, I'm willing to go here. Let's play. Um, We need to understand that feminism was first and foremost an attack against women. And I, I sincerely believe that that's really where we are. We've arrived where we are today based upon the fact that femininity in and of itself was under assault, and it has been under assault since this whole process began. Because the premise is that being a woman is not enough. You can't, being a woman's not enough, be a woman and be a man. And all, we, all we're doing is now arriving at the point 
And I mean, if you look at the tr- the actual surgeries that are taking place, the vast majority of them are women who are transitioning, and I'm using that term in the way they use it, are transitioning to men. Mm-hmm. They have been assaulted with lies for almost 100 years. And as they've been assaulted with these lies, the, the natural ramification, the natural... S- I'm not convinced that slippery slope is a fallacy because nine times out of 10, the slope is indeed slippery. And so like this slippery slope is simply leading us to this conclusion where being a woman is bad. Therefore, I need to desire to be a man either in function or in form. And I think that we've simply arrived at the point where form is, is, is possible. And I'm using that term rather loosely. Um, and, and so th- this is the route that we're going. And I think what the church has to be doing is shouting. And I don't mean that in a belligerent way. I mean, we simply need to not shrink back from making clear the beauties of femininity, right? I'll tell that there's nothing more beautiful on the planet than watching my wife care for my six-month-old son right now. There's a stunningness to it that can't be replicated, and nor can a man do it. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the like, not in the same way, and so we need to understand that God's roles and God's design are better, and we need to be willing, frankly, to make the uncomfortable statement today that femininity was first, in, or the the feminism was first and foremost an assault upon femininity, and then it made its way to an assault upon masculinity, mm. and that's and I think that's really what we're seeing is the conclusion of this executed in physical forms. Um, And it's not a new tactic, but it does seem to be one that that has rolled a bit further than it has in the past. So I'm going to ask a hard question. So as, as the movement grows, it seems like I don't have anything at my disposal as a form of recourse, like immediate recourse, right? And we said like... What do you mean, sorry? Like recourse is like an action to, to, to make corrective action. To a bring, recourse against what is what I'm asking? To, to be imposed upon, mm. to say that this is my worldview. Yeah. And my worldview says God made man and woman. Right. And yet we live in a society that says that that's not true. Right. There, there's, and so we've accommodated, we've made accommodations right at the pool, at the bathroom, in the workplace, I mean, across the, across the board. Yeah. Like what, like what am I, I'm being like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like I, I think you know, we've made accommodations long before or about other things. I think this is just the biggest, the newest big twisting of, of the sin of sexual sin. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think we've made oh, accommodations yeah. to the world's ethic of sin forever like not forever but for a long time and now we are it's just the next step if that makes sense yeah because i catch myself this is where i catch myself what is normalized yeah right like watching a tv show that has friends people living together premarital sex yeah yeah and that's like oh that's heterosexual you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I'm at. Well, like, do you remember, I think you weren't there, you were watching me destroy my microphone on, on video, but at the, at the panel that we did, mm-hmm. um, all throughout this panel, I, I made, watched it online. I know, that's what I'm saying. You were watching me destroy my microphone. <laughs> but I, all through that panel, we had said things like fornication, which is a good word that we should use. Yeah. Fornication. We talked about pornography. Mm-hmm. We talked about homosexuality, and we talked about um, transgenderism. What was most interesting to me about this is not a single person gasps. Yeah. I say the word pedophilia, and everyone takes a deep breath and gasps. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, and, I, and I think, if I recall correctly, I stopped and I said, y'all just gasped. We've been talking about grievous sin mm-hmm. this whole time, and you've just now gasped because they're touching your children now. So I know of another example story these things man just all like came in a flurry here lately well it's been a world i mean like i i told i don't know if i told you this but i got stopped in um i was in i was in the coffee shop and a friend of mine asked me he's like hey man how are you i said i'm mad (laughs) like i i I mean i i don't have other words right now i'm angry and i'm and, and i think 
Like th- there has been a whirlwind, but I hope to I, sincerely, I hope to God it red pilled millions of people mm-hmm. because it's necessary because we're all sitting here with blinders on pretending like, oh, well, it's affecting them. But I'm dealing with cases from Parkwood down the road where they're tell- they won't let children go until the parents agree to use their preferred pronouns. Mm-hmm. This is in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Like we're in redneck central and this is permissible. <laughs> but I think to Blake's point, like the slow, like the slow burn of what becomes normal in your mm-hmm. in in your worldview. It's like I had a, a guy tell me that um a person that he knows the people were engaged, right? And so couple was engaged to be married and I and I'll I'll leave the details out. But in the end, the couple that was engaged, the fiance was actually having quote unquote an affair. And it was like the affair was had with a married man. And so it, it all hit the fan. Okay, and so there were there was um, a friend was asking me because he's kind of third party related and was like counsel. What tell tell me how do we navigate this? So you know we were talking through it, and I said you know isn't it interesting how how we get desensitized to sin because the 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 father of the groom was so angry at the at the engaged betrothed woman right and rightfully so right Mm -hmm. that he was just fit to be tied but to start the relationship off they were living together yeah so it's like to me like you have a sexually promiscuous perverse couple yeah perverse couple and we're all of a sudden shocked that, that there before was sexual that perversion. they can get married, that there's more. Because yeah. here's the addiction. The addiction isn't to, or the desire isn't to sex as God designed it. Absolutely it's sex right. in the house of sin. Though. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. And their their mar- mm-hmm. marital relationship would have felt, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's like, well, I'm so glad. It's, I'm like, yeah, I am too. But in the end, like, you're this individual is reaping a, a a product of the fall. Of the fall. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's like mm-hmm. I'm I am I am laying in bed with a with a with a woman, a wayward woman. I too am wayward. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm shocked that there's more waywardness, and I'm not the only. <laughs> it's one. It's almost like sexual willing. deviancy leads to sexual deviancy. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, it's like we don't. Here's what I'm guilty of. I don't put that in the same talking about the the conference that you hold in the mic yeah. i mean like we talked about all these sins and then we get to pedophilia and we gasp it's like that that is sexual sin mm-hmm. yes yeah like, that's sexual sin yeah like no different i mean categorically we yeah, can yeah, say so different like, yeah, but, yeah 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 but, it's, but I mean, it's still sexual sin it well, just the, becomes like a normal thing like you yeah. can almost at that point you can almost entertain me with it that's the whole, but that's how it all starts. In a starts. movie line or whatever, yeah, you well, know, I mean, it's like all of a sudden it's like the, you know, square peg, round hole, you know, you, you see it all on TV now. Yeah. It's like you're trying to in, entertain me with something that I think just ruins the storyline, exactly. yet you've made me capitulate in a sense right. that I'm willing to intake all of these other things that are just as heinous, but yet they've been normalized. Well, I this guess. is Romans. This is this is downward spiral. This is Romans one thirty two. Though they knew God's righteous decrees that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And I sincerely do think there's a category of those who give approval to them by their willingness. Yeah. So there's people who were giving a a wedding shower to this situation. Yeah. And it's like, like. People that I know that are like church people. So it's like, it's all of a sudden like we're like, are, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like you have to be ready to give an answer and grieve a lot. Yeah. Not yeah. just yeah. this, this latest. Newest iteration. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? We, we have to be able, we have to be able to call like sexual deviancy, sexual deviancy. Right. And not be willing to to give on it in its lesser forms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think of this like Adam and Eve in the garden. This is just an application. I'm not saying that this is what the text is about. But God says to them, look at all of these beautiful trees that you can eat. Yeah, from. absolutely. And Satan comes and says, he said you couldn't eat that one. You know? And like, I think that 
the full orbed answer to this is in like to to Lawson's point about how feminism is a war on femininity. Like the the full orbed answer to this is that we have a view of the world that is more beautiful, yes, and a view of life that is more full and more abundant and more like altogether better. Mm-hmm. And we present that view to the world, right? Like, and the enemy is there to say, "Well, you just hate fill in the blank." Yeah. And it's like, no, we just, like, we have the truth and we have this more beautiful vision of what life is that's mm. so much more full, yeah. even in suffering, that's so much more full than, than all of this that you're arguing for that you want. You're grasping for things that are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And God has given us a, a, a vision of design. life, a design that is, that is so much more beautiful and you want the thing that's going to kill you. Mm. Yeah, and so don't be surprised when I hate that thing. Right, because yeah. because it and, it... and don't be surprised when I, in, in sorrow, yeah. come to you and say, like, look at what you're missing. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I, I think does go to the refugee fallout. Can, mm. I, can I... Yes, yes, before yes. Before we move there. Yeah. I brought up the recourse because it's like, I think there's so many things that oh, don't assault my this. senses, you know what I'm saying, at the pool. Mm-hmm. This is just the newest iteration, and obviously it is, it is, it was an assault on the senses, and it's grievous. Yeah. But I guess it's like, you know, no-fault divorce, all of these other yeah. things that exist, people living together, you know, uh, yeah, sex, sex outside of marriage, you mm-hmm. name it. Right. Pornography, all of these things. Mm. It's like, I, I feel like this, la- this, this latest iteration of this like leaves me, I don't know, like I guess realizing, realizing what I don't have recourse toward that I'm already living in the world, right? Yeah. And, and I'm dealing with um, navigating through a worldview that's contra God's design sin present and i guess like is there anything you know because i asked julie i was like and this is the question like i mean if that's if that's the beach and and you multiply that reality oh yeah the beach gets really ugly like i'm not gonna want to sit there very long but because you're looking at the ocean something that's been provided as beautiful and then you're looking at that which is destroyed beauty right yeah like i guess that the only recourse you have is I think there is recourse, but I think it's a long game recourse. I'm saying in the moment. No, you don't have any recourse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I think your your immediate recourse is okay. Um, maybe grasping at things that are that are biblically true. Right? I live in a fallen world. That means that there are perversities all around me, mm-hmm. and there's tragedy. And I think that's where we both pray for pray for repentance mm-hmm. um and that we also at the very same time and i i think we do need to have a what, what i would argue that we see that at the beach now you know what i mean true yes but and not in the same way but i'm but i that's where i'm at like you're yeah. hitting on what i'm dealing with what that there's things that we already see that are ugly that are before you land your eyes at the ocean yes like for this, sure just yeah, and I'm not saying it's just another thing, and like I'm gonna come up for air in 20 years, and it's gonna be normal. I just I, no, no, I, it's not. It's you not. should you you should understand that you're an alien and a stranger, and you shouldn't be surprised that there are things you you know. I, I told y'all the story of we were. Nah, I don't want to tell the story. Um, it just left me, man. Like it just left me like I don't know, shipwrecked. Like I was like, but you understand, like there's there. there I think that some of this needs to be placed in the category of, right, there are things that are perverse. Yeah. There are also things that are unnatural. Yeah. And, and there are things that are uniquely grievous because they are unnatural. Like, it, it, is, it is sinful, right? It's sinful. It should make us gasp. Everything we've already said, when we hear of someone who has, who has committed the sin of fornication, right? That should cause us to grieve and to pray for that individual and to call them to repentance, especially like if they be a Christian. If they're not, then we call them to, to, to faith in Christ, right? There is something uniquely perverse that is, hom- that is in homosexuality and in especially, not even especially, they're both in the same category to me, 
of, of transgenderism. Like, it's not a surprise that there is a unique recoil at that. Goodness. Like, even... Even murder, I think, doesn't inspire the same type of aghast. Mm. Like, there's, there is something so horrendous about an individual destroying themselves, and they do that either through the activity of homosexuality or through a, a delusion that they want to see manifested inside of the material plane. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, there should be a unique recoil um, that, that, that is just that, unique. But, but you know, society used to treat this as like a like a, like a, a mental a, illness, a mental illness. Yeah. And so I, once once I guess once we gave up that cultural, societal, political recourse, and we normalized the behavior, I think I think mental illness is a net loss for the Christian warfare here. Okay. The reason is it's 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 not just mental illness; it's sin. Because, like, what's the civil magistrate's role in this? Like, I told, I told Julie, I was like, ah, it just makes me want to go to, like, the hotel clerk and be like, there's a woman out there with her shirt off. And they'd ex- – yeah, but, and you know what they'd do to you? They'd send – they'd kick you out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that's how I felt. I was like, yeah. that's not going to solve anything. But we've talked about this in the past in regard to the civil magistrate's responsibility. So long as we have access to use the civil magistrate for peace and for justice, we do so. Yeah, we petition them as a resource. Absolutely. We shouldn't be surprised when they say no. I mean, goodness gracious, when um, the Covenant School shooting took place, uh, Joe Biden was asked, do you believe they may have been targeted because they were Christians? He laughed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the civil magic, like, we need to remember, and, and, and I think we've forgotten this, because we've lived somewhat in a, in a pseudo form of peace where we just kind of went along with it, and as long as we played the game of status quo, we were perfectly oh, fine. Oh, we played the game like everybody else did, or at least I'm speaking for myself, stop me if, if you're different. It was like, oh, as long as it happens in their house, it doesn't yeah, affect me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's like, it's like the old adage from, from what, Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. I mean, the answer is, yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah, you are. And the, you have a responsibility to neighbor, both both yeah. worldly neighbor and Christian neighbor. Yep. We should definitely care yep. what's happening in their home. Yeah. Because here's the reality. If that man was beating his wife to death and you heard it and did nothing, yeah. you're culpable. Yeah. Like yeah. this is why like we live in the world, right, where people pull out their cell phones when a woman's being assaulted on mm-hmm. the street instead of intervening. And, you know, there has to be an instant willingness to say no, I have responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so in this, we, we really have, I think, lost the ability to petition the courts in the lower sense. Mm-hmm. I think there are some things that have made their way to the higher courts that have dropped more favorably than I expected. But we need to remember they hate us. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sincerely, we need to remember that they hate us. And, and because we've lost the ability to to reconcile their hatred of us and holiness at the very same time. Our perspective now is if they hate us, it means we're not being holy. Like their whole premises anchored in, well, if you're nice and you're kind, they'll love you. Christian, they won't. Mm. Like if you're faithful and you're kind, they're still going to hate you Mm. because Mm. it's not your tone. It's the fact that you are carrying with you the aroma of Christ to the world, Mm. and you're giving vent of death to death to them. You shouldn't be surprised when they hate the aroma of Christ. And that's what we've really got to understand. They're still going to hate you. Like Friendliness with the world is enmity to God. Mm. And so we have to be willing to say, I'm going to be friendly to God, which Mm. means that by necessity, I will be an enemy of the world he was an enemy of the world, but he overcame it. I'm glad with these odds. Um, and I think too, like you know, it's good for you know, f- f- you know, when you when you think about this, just in like a sense of like this only happens in the social medias. You know, it's like I I think like with the Christian where I wanted was I wish I would have been better prepared to know that that was that that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and like. What does that mean in my day-to-day job? What does that mean in my day-to-day relationships? Am I thinking through these things across my, like those omni-channel touch points of where I, you know what I'm saying, like where I, where I live and move and breathe and then thinking about the church, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm, I don't even think I've ever thought about grieving that particular individual to the point for praying for them and praying that God would birth in them life, mm-hmm. and knowing that He will in fact do that, and there there will be church. There are I am certain there are churches today. Yeah, 
that have people who have yes. come out of that yeah, of course. life, been born again. Maybe even post-op. Yes, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm staking every, you know, I'm yeah. saying, yeah, that's, that has to be. And I, I just don't ever think I, like, meditated on, on that, you know. And, mm-hmm. and we have like to a lot be of, quick to say such were some. I literally, I have it pulled up. Got to. I have it pulled up because. It's, so the brother that was, like, I've been bouncing this off of, he's, like, super encouraging to me because it was, like, Brother, I, you know, he was like, I, you know, in the end, like we can be so sorrowful and be like, I think I'm like a, like a defeatist, you know, like it's lost. They've won. It's all over. And he was like, brother, we pray for revival. It's like, yeah. You know, it's like you get fired. You were like, yeah, like, like ultimately that changes my entire perspective on the, the church as a, as a lighthouse, the church as an outpost, a church as a, as a, as a incoming camp for refuge, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that's where I'm like, I just don't think that I spend enough time focused on God's purpose of the church in the world. Yeah. I, I, I want to, a couple of months ago when we were preaching through Romans still, mm-hmm. the mark and avoid sermon came up and the mark and avoid, like one of the things that I was, I, I really desired to do was point to the wicked men who stand in pulpits and tell people it's perfectly acceptable for you to maintain your manner of life that you had before you were converted. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it's so perverse and the reason those men will give an answer, and my guess is be damned, is because they have be better under... for them. Huh? They have a millstone hung around their neck. Yes. Yeah, that's, but that's... they've undermined the sufficiency of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this is... Blake Blake just quoted this, and, I, and I'll read it, because I think the, the how, do we, how do we prepare for those refugees is the first thing we must do is believe in the power of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, and treat them like we believe it. Absolutely. Yeah, so, because it strikes the senses to be like, whoa. Yeah. She would then embrace her womanhood. Yes. And get married. Oh my gosh! And likely, some man would love her. It's like, yep. boy, Jesus loved her. You know what I'm saying? He <laughs> yeah, gave yeah. her new life. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. like we yeah. just undermine all of that thinking. Undermines the power of the gospel because you have to like. But we have to understand that. Like I'm about to read this, but but every single thing that I'm about to read is true of the people you sit next to in yeah. church on Sunday yes, morning. Amen. So so First Corinthians six, starting in verse nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Like, for some reason, there there are people who would look at this and say, ah, and the such were some of you certainly couldn't include homosexuality. And it's like, no, it, it explicitly mentions it, and frankly, in one of the most graphic ways possible. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If we ever give ground here, like you realize one of the reasons that we're hated is that we look at people who are in their homosexuality or in their transgender delusion, and we tell them that you don't have to be this. Hmm. You can repent of your mm. sin, and by the grace of God, you can say that I was that, mm. but you aren't anymore. That the sufficiency of the gospel brings people out of that manner of life and washes them, sanctifies them, and justifies them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm. and ultimately brings them under obedience to Christ the King. Mm-hmm. Like when we say that we believe in the sufficiency of the gospel, this goes back to even wokeism, right? Like as they're preventing racism as the great. Not even sin, because they won't use that terminology, but it's like racism is this thing, this enigma that can never be gotten rid of. That's a denial of the power of the gospel. Racism is sin, and through the finished work of Christ, it can and has been conquered in God knows how many souls, mm-hmm. right? It's been brought under the lordship of Jesus, and this is the very same thing with with homosexuality or transgenderism or whatever um, new types of perversions will ultimately well, and, arise. And too, like I think too, like I fall into that trap where it's like, oh man, that's crazy. Like I would never. And it's like, mm. if not for the grace of if God. If not for the grace of God, there, there go, go I. I. It, like it, I'm not capable of doing that. You know, like that's that's mm-hmm. the real temptation of the Christian yeah. of the Christian mind, you yep. know, in the heart. It's like, man, we just do, we have such a high view of self. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Like, mm. And if I so add one more in regard to what we do with the incoming refugees, going back to my original statement, right? We we tell them of the beauty of what God created them to be. Mm-hmm. If it's a man who's pretended to be a woman, be a man. Mm-hmm. Like God's created you for this. 
and, and you might have destroyed every ounce of testosterone in your body. Lovingly, I don't care, right? Because, because what you're called to be is to be obedient to Christ, which means that you are well, to be a man. Loving, you do care. I, I know what I'm you're saying. saying it's like not we an would sympathize for, to yes. say, like, I know that the pain and suffering. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I understand that. But I'm saying that what you have done to your body is not a reason to disobey Jesus, right? Yeah. And and so the there is no excuse. I mean, my goodness, there are men right now who faithfully abide by the commands of Christ and they naturally simply don't produce testosterone. Mm. It's like you don't need testosterone to be obedient in the very same way that you don't need estrogen or even the ability to bear children to obey Jesus in regard to being a woman. And so like... Well, because they would would need to uphold and embrace a biblical worldview, which is God made them man and woman. Yes. I mean, yes. that, that's where you're going. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but, but we have to be able to articulate the beauty of that, not just the command of it. Mm. And this is true across the board for really any Christian doctrine. If you can convey the command without noting the beauty of the commandment or the purpose behind the commandment, you have it half-hearted. Like mm. when I was growing up, I was told, don't lie. Okay, why? Like, I understand God commanded it. It, it, it brought there was new light when I understood because it's a misrepresentation of God who never lies. Mm. And so when God has given women to be women, we should be able to articulate why is that beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to masculinity, though beauty is somewhat different in that category, we should still be able to say, God gave uh, God get God made you a man to be a man, and there is a beauty behind that, right? Where we uphold, frankly, and, and I would say even build and protect and provide for not only our immediate families, but God uses men to build civilizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, like as we see those things, we shouldn't shrink back. And I think what we've done in the midst of this is we have promoted an androgynous society, and we're reaping the whirlwind. Mm. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not an androgynous society. Men are to be men. Women are to be women. And, and we shouldn't have to apologize. No. You should never apologize for that. It's, it's looking at our Lord and saying, I think it's a denial of the first portion of that text from First Peter. The very first thing that's to be done before we give an answer is we set aside Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. And then we answer. I'm good. You all good? I might be a two-parter. Well, I just think <laughs> it's necessary for us to say, like, to, to sum this up. It is appropriate for the Christian to grieve the sin they see. Mm-hmm. And there are some that are uniquely grievous. Mm-hmm. I also know that there are people inside of this congregation who have uh, family that they're connected to even in the, in the midst of your grief, understand that your primary responsibility is still to obey Jesus. Mm. Like, we, we are, the, the presuppositions that are set out before you, this is really what they are. If you obey, if you obey Jesus, your children are going to kill themselves. They're going to say, if you don't uphold their pronouns, they're going to they're kill themselves. Yeah, I think the temptation is apparent, like... It's preservation. Well, and it's also like, you know, we, we've seen it, like even in the culture of divorce, you know, where two Christian parents will see their Christian children struggling in marriage, and it's like, oh, well, you know. Jump ship. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that, yeah. That's even hard, like even in that, to be like, you know what? Like marriage is a hard thing. Like you got to get in there and work at it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's the, you know, there's the <laughs> commands of Christ that would be your lordship over yeah. that. And if mm-hmm. you'll obey him. You know, I, I will. I will bank on his promises. Yeah, hundred percent, right? and his proverbs. Mm. And so I think the same thing. Like it's just you know it's difficult, right? To yeah. deal to deal with that. Like I sympathize with that. You know, knowing that. Yeah, knowing that so much is at cost. Yeah. Like psycholog- You know, like spiritually and psychologically, like the the warfare there. Yeah, yeah. And so like, there's grief, there's obedience, and there's always hope. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, sincere, genuine, not not hyperbolic there's real hope mm-hmm. right because mm-hmm. if there if there isn't the gospel and frankly even then if there's not the sovereignty of god in salvation i think we're right to say oh they're far past gone mm-hmm. but the reality is in the in the gospel of christ no one is far past gone it seems quite clear that god loves to that god loves to take the ones who are so far gone 
I mean, Paul being a great example of this, I was the chief amongst sinners. And the whole purpose of that is to say, if he can redeem Paul, he can redeem you. And we as Christians must never reach the point where we, where we see someone breathing, right? And say, ah, they're outside the reach of God. Yeah, I think like mm-hmm. for me, like the, that thought of prayer and that, that my ongoing pray without ceasing, like that my heart's desire in continuing in prayer would be for that for that revival, yeah, for that absolutely. hope, for that individual. You know, and I think like that totally, completely changed my viewpoint to say, well, that just ruined the pool experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you can get super selfish. Yeah. You can you can look for physical or, or worldly recourse to solve the problem. Yeah. And it's like you end up running out of of everything. And the, the, the last thing, which should have been the first thing, would be yeah. pray. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it... it it did. It cha- it changed my disposition, like my like my yeah my yeah. outlook on it. And I think the same thing is true. Like you know, for inside inside all of these examples that we gave, that like prayer, man. Like I just I think that's the yeah I don't know the yep. bedrock of it. And that's how the Lord changes your heart too, right? Mm-hmm. Through praying, mm-hmm. for, through your prayers, your mind mm-hmm. is set in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You good, big fella? Yeah. You got a Bible verse? Yeah. So in conclusion, Lawson has a Bible verse. <sighs> Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Lawson Harlow and Blake McCullough, for the time spent today. My brothers and my friends, Godspeed. Godspeed.